The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there, making us sound good today. Happy birthday to Mark Tepper. No kidding. Today is the legend himself. Today is my father's birthday. Is this any sort of uh, round number benchmark N- year? No. Okay. I don't think so. All right. I don't know. Do All you right. know your father's exact age? Yes. But that's because my father, it's really easy because my dad was born in a round year. Yeah. See, my father my dad, was my, not. My dad was born in an ought, I believe is how you would say. Mm, my da- My father was not. Yeah. Uh, first four through the door. Ruben Rios, Misael, Jacob John, and Brent Homan. And who's hey, who's I, keeping track? Who's keeping track? Who's doing know. the... Who's doing the uh, Matt McSpadden was fifth, just just for posterity's sake. Who's going to, um, who's going to, to start the... Um, Who's going to start the the process of Don't tracking it, tracking the first through fourth it. through the door? Because I got to tell you, that'd be pretty awesome if you guys did. Don't do it. Maybe just try. No. As you can tell, Ish is not here. No, Ish. Um, you like how I set you up there? Like with that? What? Uh, it's just hey, here's a wide shot. There's no Ish there. There's no Ish. That's why we haven't introduced him. Otherwise, he would be the first person we introduced. But yeah. uh, right, we we yeah. did we did, we did not. Um, today. Is. He's not dead, by the way. No, he's still was, alive. We did kind of leave that open. He's just busy with some stuff. Or is he? I mean, I haven't seen him in a couple minutes. It's he's true. I don't know what he's you doing never right know. now. I hope he you is still know. alive in the three minutes yes. since I saw him last. Today is Monday, February 11th, 2019. 290 days until Thanksgiving. Episode 706. 706. Ken McMullins, OPS in his illustrious Washington Senator's career, 1965 to 1970. 767 games for Mr. McMullen. On today's show, we are going to continue our series of college football postmortems. We're going to take a look at the TCU Horn Frogs, uh, see what happened with those frogs. Um, I'll tell you, I don't want to spoil it because I, I do want you to pay attention a little bit later, but <laughs> I will just say that they are a team that probably should have been better, like the numbers indicate that they should have been better, and okay. that part of it is that they were bad at the wrong things. If that makes sense, we'll sure. get into that. Uh, we'll get into that coming up here in the back half of the show. It can make sense. Back half of the show, Matt <laughs> Stepp was uh, was in College Station with Shahan J. Raja, I believe. Yes. Uh, down there in College Station at the Lone Star. And now the, neither of them will ever be invited back. And now the, at the Lone Star Clinic, uh, talking with a number of high school football uh, luminaries uh, down there. We will hear from Richmond Foster coach Sean McDowell, and we will also hear from Atlanta coach Matt McClure. Uh, two uh, two guys whose name starts with Mick something. That's true. Yes, they're well, both very Scottish. Yes, very very. Uh, well, you know, I was I was going to guess like Croatian, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm bad at this. <laughs> um. So, uh, for, okay. One quick question for you, Max. Okay. Did you watch 
any. Oh, here we go. I know where this is going. Of the Alliance of American Football. Did not watch. I got uh, a few texts from people who were watching. A lot of people excited about my boy Garrett Gilbert. Um. And me, me, and I've already we've had people commenting on it. Uh, Miziel's already uh, going. He doesn't know what to think about it. Uh, I don't know what to think about it either. I, I don't feel like this is any different than it was when the XFL came out, and that like it was like, oh my god, there's a couple football games in yeah. February or March. We're all going to watch them. Will we all be watching them in three months? We'll find out. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, it. I would. The only difference I would say. Mm-hmm. between this is a very of this moment argument for all of mm-hmm. this um i don't think it matters in the big scheme because i think you need the average fan to be interested yes but i think these new reiterations of football af and xfl mm-hmm. will at least seem to be doing better because of the social media age that we live in i think if you had introduced a league like that and you and I had gone, were this age at that time, we would probably be less excited about the random names we saw than we are now. Yes. Now you go, oh, that's the kid from Texas State, or Mm -hmm. that's the guy who did the thing at Mizzou, Mm -hmm. right? And you go, it's good to see him again. And Mm -hmm. I think we're more hyper aware of that because of sort of the age we live in where it's like every player gets a little more magnified than they probably did 20, 30 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that mean the ratings will be better? I don't know. It'll give us something to talk about here because we like those people and we want to talk about them. Right. Does that mean more things will be written about it? I actually think probably just because there's nothing else for football people to write about right. and they know who these people are. And there's a conversation to be had online about those players and whether this is a viable thing. And I think the current sort of online setup makes it more conducive to succeed in a smaller way, but I don't know if that means it, it'll give it any staying power. So the one thing that I will say, because I was trying to explain this to my wife about yeah. what this league was, right. and an important aspect of it is that the NFL seems to be on board with this. It is strange. The NFL, like, like there are games on NFL Network. Like I, the first thing I noticed was, yeah, the NFL Network and CBS. And yes. like that, that means at no point was there some like mandate or conversation from you know, the NFL saying, you know, if you do this, you might lose your rights. Well, if you support this competitor, you might lose your rights in the fall. Well, you know? and from what I understand, um, and we will get to the TCO post more in just a moment, but That's from what everyone's I, clamoring I know, for, yes. yeah, two or three months after the yeah. fact. Um, from what I understand, the contracts are such that you can sign with the NFL. You can get out of your contract with the AAF very easily to get to yeah. sign with the NFL. Right. But like for example, in 2020, when the XFL launches, right, you will not be able to get out of right. your contract to go with them. Right. It sounds like the the NFL, in my it, from what I can tell, has more or less said, okay, there's going to be a spring league around. Right. We need to yep. hitch our wagon to one of them yep. and use it more as a developmental. What I thought was interesting is, and what I think could be very, very cool is that if this truly does become a developmental league right. for the NFL, right. which is something they desperately need, I think, um, if it becomes that, you could see a lot – you could be, see that becoming more of an experimentation ground right. for the NFL. For example, they had – and I, I know this kind of went viral, but they had the um, – 
replay official mic'd up. Yeah, live. And right, she was yeah. running through yeah. what she was seeing and stuff like that and ended up kind of changing her mind based on one thing. Yeah. And it seemed like a particularly good bit of transparency right. for a for a league that at times struggles mightily right. with transparency. Right. Um I wonder if you're going to see more of that. So there is there is kind of the um the surface level stuff that yeah. I'm interested in, which is that it's football and there are some names I recognize. It was cool to see our boy Luis Perez out there. Right. Louis Great. Perez was, was awesome. out there uh, for awesome. the Birmingham team. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, and I believe Larry Rose the third is yeah. on another one. He's on the Arizona Hot Shots. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 names we know and recognize and yeah. like, and so uh, that's exciting. Yeah, that's the surface level. What I am interested in is kind of that next level, which is is this going to become more of like a true developmental league in this in the same way that the G League is a developmental league for the NBA, right? Where they are trying new things and they are saying, okay, let's see if we can experiment with this. Uh, minor league baseball does that uh, like they rolled out they tried the pitch clock right, right. first in the minor league right. baseball um i would be interested to see where that goes as far as that's concerned i'm very interested to see like what it all means for like amateurism and yeah. you know like if i'm a player whose grades are terrible but i would have had a if i if i if my grades weren't terrible i could have gotten in i would have been an alabama player or i would have been a texas player is there some way to get into these developmental wow. leagues going forward? And that's I'm the very thing. curious about that. Is can you go and sign? Because that was one thing that they did with the G League. Right. Is that basically, if you want to sign with the G League, you can. You yeah. can't go into the NBA draft, but you can sign with the G League right. um, in the NBA and say, I'm going to take this contract, which is not going to make you rich. It's only, you know, now, no. relatively. I right. mean, I mean right. rich for us, yeah. but, you know, you know to the, relative to the riches. I would be interested because, from what I understand, the maximum salary in the AAF is something like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, good money, good money if you can get it. I'm certain. Good money Hi. for a spring. Hi, gig. Greg Tepper will not turn down a hundred thousand dollars. No kidding. But not the kind of twenty six point two million dollars that that the yeah. Andrew Luck would get, right? Yeah. That it will be very interesting to see how this all develops. Uh, I am a lot more interested because I'll be honest. I watched a little bit of it, and the football is fine. It's it, fine. It looked. It looks like kind of developmental football yeah honestly like it looks like kind of it's a few more like gadget plays which is fun but also sort of gimmicky yes you know exactly um so i'm very interested in it in that regard not necessarily from the gameplay perspective which yeah. you know yeah it's fun but i'm more interested to see what it means for the nfl and professional football going what forward. did you i don't know if it ever i don't think it ever came into play but what do you think of the uh instead of an onside kick fourth and 12 you have to convert on fourth and 12 don't hate it I don't hate it either, but the, the one thing I'll say is there's a little bit of magic in the chaos of actually getting the onside kick. Yeah, there is. There is. I think. I think that you get a. Actually, I think fourth and twelve is too generous. Yeah. If you think about the success rates for, I'm sure they probably did some comparison, and it's actually probably not. But I feel like fourth and twelve in the age of football we live in is far easier. I'll take that every time over an onside kick. Yeah, I will oh, try. To I think you're exactly 12, right. You know. Um, I'm I'm sure you're right. I'm sure they crunched the numbers and found yeah. out that like the break even point for right. both of those is is at that point. Like but if you told me fourth and fifteen, I'd be like, I mean, what do you want? Like it's four, it's fifteen yards. That's fifth. That's hard. Fifteen yards. Fifteen yards. Twelve is tough. seems like. Yeah, I don't seems know. Seems a little too doable. I mean, I, you I'm, know, obviously, yeah. you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things. There's Kick, a lot. Kicking game, yeah. and, and, and do you want to do away with the kicking game altogether and, and, and stuff like that? Right. Already, you know, but uh, but I do think that there's there's interesting safety ramifications yeah. they put in, stuff like that. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that. That was just something yeah. that was on my mind. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get into our TCU postmortem. Right. Let's talk about that. Uh, talk about the TCU Horned Frogs, who go 7-6, and six, uh, a, a 
you know, it's kind of amazing that like they they have a winning record, they win a bowl game, yeah. and it's still considered like a wild disappointment in Fort Worth. Um, so let's start with what went right. What went right is pretty much everything with the defense. Yeah. Uh, the defense was exceptional. It was 19th in the nation in S&P Plus. And they were, I mean, when they won games, they essentially won it on the back of their defense. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they won the game with Kansas State 14-13, to 13, right? They won the, the very famous, infamous now, Cheez-It Bowl 10-7. Uh, to 7. Yeah. Um, When their defense played really well they had a really good chance to win games and i think that in a lot of ways that is something that you can look at and say um you know that that was obviously very gary patterson-esque is the defense was exceptional uh, it was especially good um it was especially good against the pass especially you know secondary was very very good at you know kind of at everything um they were very good there they were very good on uh, in, in most third down situations in fact their defense um the average defensive third down um distance was eight and a half yards that's uh, sixth in the nation that's really Jeez. really good uh their defense was exceptional kind of putting you into uncomfortable situations that's one thing that tcu did really really well um, was def- defensively pretty much everything. I, I, like I don't think there's any any cause for concern with what happened uh, with the defense. I, I I do want to mention off the top that TCU is better than seven and six. The, the TCU is probably better than their record indicates. They played, you know, they just. But there was this one kind of glaring thing about them, which is what went wrong. Yep. And what went wrong was kind of everything else. Uh, let's start obviously with the offense. Okay. Um. The offense was just like super bad, and yeah. they were super inconsistent, especially yeah. passing the ball. Yeah, uh, they could not throw. They were 101st in the nation in in passing S and P plus. Well, that's really bad. And they weren't. The thing is, like we've talked about it on the show, that if you're going to be efficient, or if you're not going to be efficient, you've got to be explosive. Yeah. If you're not going to be explosive, you got to be efficient. Yeah. Like Baylor. Baylor was not an explosive team, but they were hyper efficient. Yeah. And so as a result, it just it, they kind of churned along. Uh, you go back to some of the old Baylor teams or, or Red Raider teams under Mike Leach. They were not necessarily efficient, but they were really explosive, so it made up for that. Um, TC was neither yeah. in the passing game. They were bad. And, and, and it's also, by the way, not a thing you can blame on the offensive line. The sack rate offensively uh, was just thir- it was 13th in the nation. They were really good yeah. at pass protection. But the bottom line was that the, the quarterbacks, most notably Sean Robinson, essentially failed them. And yeah. and we, we talked about it heading into the season that he seemed like the most important player in the state. And as he went, so would go the Frogs. And basically, as he went, so went the Frogs. Yeah. I was going to say my first instinct when you were talking about what went wrong and why things got so derailed, how much of this is turnover related? I mean, a fair amount. But yeah. I will also say that... It, it seemed like they just had a comical amount of interceptions. I mean, they did. They yeah. they were, um, you know. Let me look at look at kind of look at the turnovers. Didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, Sorry, it's fine. It's, it's I the mean, first. It is the first thing that comes to mind for me, and so I'm very curious. I mean, look, Sean Robinson threw nine touchdowns against eight interceptions, yeah. right? I mean, and Mike Collins when he came in threw six touchdowns and another two interceptions. Yeah. This is a team that turned the ball over too much. Still bad. They were minus five in the turnover margin, and actually. They were pretty lucky to be that way. Their expected turnover margin, they put the ball on the ground a lot, and they put the ball in the dangerous situations a lot. They got away with lucky their ex- Exactly. Their okay. expected turnover margin was yeah. minus 8.5, e. um, which is 124th in the nation. That's very bad. That's really bad. That's part for, of it. For a Big 12 team especially. Another thing that I think goes overlooked 
is that this was a really bad special teams team. They were 115th in special teams wow. S&P Plus. Okay. They were bad. Okay. They, I mean, basically, if it wasn't for Cavante Turpin returning the ball, and yeah. he had a kickoff return and a punt return for a touchdown. Outside of that... For the minute he was on the team. Yes. Outside <laughs> of that, they did not punt particularly well. They did not kick off. They did not kick off very well. Uh, and, um, and from a place-kicking perspective, they were pretty disappointing. Um, this was not a very good... Um, basically, outside of Turpin... This is not a very good um, special teams team, yeah. which is kind of un-Gary Patterson-like, a team that kind of does things, uh, you know, little things the right way. Um, offensive MVP, it's Jalen Rager, probably, for a guy who, I mean, when you're looking at this this uh, thing, this is a guy who, you know, for a, for a team that could not throw the ball, caught 72 passes for 1,061 yards That's and nine touchdowns. Pretty special. Um, and on a team that, by the way, we kind of glossed over, a team we expected to run the ball really well just kind of didn't they were just kind of yeah. middling um Shewa Lanalua and, and Darius Sanderson were fine but like neither one of them had these tremendous tremendous years I mean, but I you know half of that is just like wow every defensive coach is probably like, these quarterbacks suck yeah all we got to do is stop the run and we win that's no oh, that's yeah. exactly right is, that, is if you stop the run then and force them to throw yeah uh, you kind of load up against them yeah uh, so I would say probably Jalen Rager would be my pick for um uh, for offensive MVP um, I do think if you if you wanted to squint, squint you'd go with a guy like Lucas Niang, their offensive lineman. Mm. Um, I think he was really good as well, all, a second team All Big Twelve pick. Uh, but that would be my pick for offensive MVP. Defensive MVP is obviously a little bit more different, uh, a little bit different. They've, there's a lot more um, competition for that. A lot spot. more competition yeah. because there are a lot of guys who were who are really really uh, solid for them. Um, probably Ridwan Ishaku. He was their best player in the safety position. We talked so much about their um, about the team being very good in the secondary. He was kind of the leader of that. For a team that got banged up a lot and lost a lot of guys back there, he was a consistent. He led the team in tackles. Um, he was, um, uh, you know, you could also go with a guy like Ben Benagu. You could go with a guy like LJ Collier, um, who kind of gave them the, the push up front. But I would go with Ridwan Ishaku uh, as my defensive MVP, the most, you know, the, the guy who kind of led the most dynamic part of the team which was in my opinion the secondary uh, in my opinion um and so then what we're kind of looking ahead uh look <sighs> the, the, the cut i mean it, it's it's pretty clear what they have to do yeah. right yeah they got to find a quarterback yeah and they got to find a way to um you know they got to find a way to to to, to push forward it's it looks like they're going to go forward to michael collins uh, it looks like he's going to be a guy, but like, Candy Snell transferred, yeah. Sean Robinson is transferred. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks like Michael Collins is going to be the guy for. Um, Unless Rogers is healthy enough to beat him out. Yeah. You know, I mean, like Rogers was the guy. That's the, everyone forgets Rogers was supposed to be the guy, and then his knee knee blew up his senior year of high school. Yeah, I mean, Justin Rogers is going to be in the in the mix. Um, they've got. I know they've got. They've got another kid from out of state, Max Duggan, um, as kind of coming in. Yeah. Um, but he's going to be the only guy. I mean, Collins is going to be the only guy with any sort of collegiate experience yeah. on the team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hate to say again, but it's like you kind of look at the defense the way it's kind of putting together. Yeah, they're losing, you know, Bonagu and they're they're losing, um, uh, you know, LJ Collier up front, like some of the the kind of stalwarts of that front. Um, but they are going to have to find a way to 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 get something going offensively. Yeah. Um, they're going to kind of have to reinvent the wheel. And and I think they put a lot of eggs in the Sean Robinson basket. Yeah. It didn't go well, and it ended up kind of costing them. So, look, 
that this is kind of a you know the the one thing I will say about uh, Gary Patterson or TCU rather is they've never had two bad years in a row under Gary Patterson. True that they've had years like this, disappointing years. In fact, worse years than this. Yeah. But the next year has always been a bounce back. Yeah. And and you know Gary Patterson has a has a knack for doing that. So I'm interested to see what he comes up with in 2019. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across Lone Star State. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider to get two magazines a year's worth of exclusive online content sent directly to you to TexasFootball.com slash Insider to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Matt Step was on the road again, this time down in College Station uh, at the Lone Star Clinic down there, chatting it up with a number of coaches. One guy he caught up with, the head coach of the Richmond Foster Falcons. Another outstanding year for Coach Sean McDowell and his Falcons. Uh, a guy who, remember, almost took a job at Baylor and ended up coming back. And, and boy, I'm sure Richmond ISD is pretty darn glad he did. Here is Matt Step's conversation with Richmond Foster Coach Sean McDowell here on Texas Football Today. Matt Step, Dave Campbell's Texas Football back here at the Lone Star Coaches Clinic here with the head coach of the Foster Falcons, Coach Sean McDowell, our good friend. Coach, uh, it's good to hang out with you again. Yes, sir. Great to see you. All right, Coach. Uh, obviously, uh, Lone Star Clinic, it's uh, one of the best clinics in the, in, the, in the winter circuit for sure. A lot of great coaches, great speakers um, from all over the state. You know, I've seen coaches from the Rio Grande Valley to West Texas, the Metroplex, East Texas, all over. Uh, why is this clinic uh, such a good clinic? Uh, it's a great location, number one. And, and uh, Coach Zerline and them do a great job of getting just really outstanding speakers uh, on the collegiate level and high school. Uh, it's a great place to network. I've been going here for like at least 15 years. I look forward to it every year. Uh, we put it on our calendar early. Uh, it's just a great place to come network, learn some ball, and uh, really just hone back in and kind of recenter on uh, the focus of football. Yeah, I saw McKay running around here earlier. He's like he's like a, a celebrity around here now. That guy's been around, hasn't he? Yeah, I love him, but I try to avoid him as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now uh, – Last year, tell, tell, tell uh, the, the folks a little story. At 7-on-7 seven seven last year, Max and I were on our golf cart, and we pulled up next to you because you were monitoring your field. Because you, you're on the state, For those who don't know, Coach McDowell's on the state 7-on-7 seven seven board. You were, you were monitoring your a field, and your, your, team, your kids were out there playing, and we were talking about your kids. Right. And uh, you were telling us, oh, i got a lot of, lot of puppies out there, a lot of, lot of youngsters, and they're, they're going to have to learn on the fly. And you could see it even 7-on-7, seven seven, one game. They look like world beaters. Right. Next game, they didn't look so good, right. uh, which is common for when you're having a lot of young kids. And even in the, you told us, during, you know, hey, we're you know, early in the year. It's going to be a little ugly, going to not be pretty. Hopefully, we, I think we got a chance to be really good. And, and you were right. I mean, by the end of the year, you guys were knocking on the door to, be, to winning a regional title. Um, your kids have grown up now. You're going to have a lot of kids back. How excited are you for the 2019 season? Yeah, we're really excited. I mean, we literally got better every week last week, uh, last year, and it was unbelievable to see our growth. And our maturity at this point of the season is uh, leaps and bounds what it was last year. Uh, we're a little bit older team, a little bit more experienced. I mean, they played, what, 14 games last year. Uh, we have, you know, everything starts with uh, Dot Nwankwo, who's played like 44 games in his career. It started for us since he was a freshman. I mean, just our work ethic and our, the weight room, a lot of guys, uh, majority of our team is doing 
extra sports like uh, baseball, wrestling, basketball, track. So we're just really excited about what we're seeing. If we have that work ethic, then it uh, means that we got a chance to be really good next year. Yeah, I saw you guys in the fourth round. I'm not banned or anything, am I? Because I mean, yeah, you got. I'm not never, banned, right? Never, never. We want you here with us as much as we can get you. But uh, so because you had such a good run, you got the, that four. How big was that four extra weeks of practice for some of your young kids? I mean, that's that's got to be a huge, huge program builder when you bring those sub varsity kids up. They're getting that extra time in practice. I mean, that's got to be big just to build that depth, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you think about just our young kids being able the last three years being uh, semifinals in 2016, state quarters in 17, and state quarters again. Not not just playing those games, but those practices. So we've almost played and practiced an extra two seasons uh, compared to that. And that's to be a big-time program and play championship-level football, that's what you have to do. So we're getting to that level where it's an expectation to play at Thanksgiving and to play for Christmas and be, be upset when we don't get to play at Christmas now. Is there any worry because you guys have had such good runs that your kids uh, get a little complacent, or do you, do you and your staff make sure that doesn't happen? That, that, that there's there's still goals in front of us, and we we're not happy. I mean, fourth round is great, but I know you're not satisfied with that, are you? Yeah, no. Fourth round, we tell them fourth round ain't good enough. Uh, just like if we were fortunate to win a state championship, which we never have yet, that wouldn't be good enough. One ain't good enough. You know, it's kind of like that's what we do. We take it week to week, one no every game, every week. Uh, you know, nothing's ever good enough, and we praise them, but, uh, you know, there's always more that we can do, and so we have that mentality with that we're just going to go to work every day and see what happens. All right, now final question for you. Uh, 707, you're on the state 707 board, and, and there's some big changes this year, uh, mainly uh, with the, uh, first off, the expansion of the Division Three, which I thought was a huge success last year. Uh, every small school coach I talked to loved it. I'm assuming you guys got that same feedback with the expansion of Division III? Uh Yes, sir. I mean, it's such a gap between, you know, the 4As and the 3As and 2As. Uh, we need, and the demand, believe it or not, is like 3A Division Two and down. So we want to make sure that we can cater to the demand. So it's really we're seeing an influx of the smaller, smaller schools to be able to make a Division Three and be able to have those 32 teams go to the state tournament. It's almost as much as the 5A and 6A Division One uh, demand to play 7 on 7. So it's a, it's really a promising. You know, it's such a big game. We've been doing it for 20 plus years now. Uh, I'm really excited about the direction we're going. How cool is it? I, I've, I always think it's awesome when those those real, real small schools come to state 7 on 7. And just their eyes. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a cool experience. And those kids and the fans, they seem super appreciative, aren't they? Yeah, you know, I'm a Division One coach as far as, like, being a 5A, 6A coach. But my favorite part of uh, the state tournament 7-on-7 is Division Two, Division Three. The communities that come out, they play hard. They want to be there. Uh, you know, you see great sportsmanship. You see really a lot of community support. And it's, a, it's my favorite day and a half there, to be honest with you, until the big boys come. And it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. But it's a, it's a pretty cool day, deal. And you get to see some teams like, uh, you know, Salina that you don't get to see very often. Gunner or, or Fall City, right? Yeah, yeah, just some really cool teams, some uh, historic teams. And you're like, wow, it's pretty cool. All right, now final question. Uh, the, the, the other change was the uh, addition of the soft-shell soft helmet rule. Um, I think it's a great thing for safety. Um, obviously, you know, there was a serious injury last year. I know you guys were, were really concerned about it and wanted to take the steps. What, what went into that decision? I know there's concerns about the cost, but just kind of talk about that cost-benefit that you guys talked about in, in, your, in your board meeting. Sure. You know, our primary focus has always been safety. So the last few years of the state tournament, they've been given the unequal headbands, um, but it hasn't been regulated in SQTs. Um, and we've always didn't want to be in the helmet business, but safety has been a priority. I would say for the last eight years, it's been, are we going to wear helmets? Are we not going to wear helmets? How is this going to work? Because, you know, with the UIL rules and everything. But it just became a no-brainer. Uh, if the technology is there and the resources are there, uh, it's an important part of what we do as a football c culture and community. So um, 
We uh, decided to go ahead and make it recommended for this year. Uh, but if you make the state tournament, it'll be mandatory to wear the soft shell helmet. And then in 2020, it's mandatory all SQTs and state tournament. It's just a, it's all about kids' safety. Um, and if you follow the rules and you do what we ask, it shouldn't be any problem. And so we want to give uh, programs time to be able to get those funds ready to go. And, and, and it is, those, those who don't know, some coaches didn't know this, it is a UIL exception. That, that helmet is a, an exception so it can be used uh, outside of school, right? That's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a non-restrictive equipment. So the soft shell helmet can be used during their, uh, their time during the period, uh, athletic period and stuff. So uh, Schools can pay for it instead of the kids having to come out of pocket. The schools well, can pay there, for it, right? There is some... Uh, some some things you have to worry about because you can't use really school equipment for us uh, outside entities like 707. Uh, but I don't really don't think there's going to be any pushback for uh, keeping kids safe. Uh, worst case scenario, you uh, you make the kids buy it, you know, and it's theirs to keep, you know. Uh, so I just think uh, I'd rather spend eighty dollars on a soft shell helmet or whatever the price of it is rather than you know seeing a kid severely injured, uh, and that's our pr primary focus. You can do whatever you can. I mean, I mean, obviously football is never going to be one hundred percent safe, but if you can take whatever steps you need to take to keep this kid safe, you guys can can rest assured that's that's what you're trying to do. What you're trying to do to keep the kids safe. Yeah, and then being in seven on seven so long now, uh, actually the game is safer because the kids know how to play it. So when we first started, it was. It's a football-related activity. It's not football, right? So we're not trying to knock each other out playing touch-pass football because really that's what it is, right, two-hand touch. Uh, so the game has actually been safer because the kids know how to play it. So they're playing at a younger age, and the officiating is getting better and the regulations is getting better. Uh, but the game is safer. Uh, but we just want to make sure that we don't, uh, you know, we want to protect the most important part of our bodies, which is the brain and the head. So. Coach, appreciate your time. Uh, congrats on a great 2018 season and uh, good luck in 2019. And I guess uh, maybe we'll see you at AT&T Stadium in December. Hey, if, if I have my wish, that'll happen. But we're just one week at a time. There you go. Coach, appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Great job. There is Sean McDowell, the head coach of the Richmond Foster Falcons, catching up with Matt Stepp at the Lone Star Clinic down there in College Station. Appreciate Coach McDowell chatting it up with Stepp down there in uh, the BCS area. Uh, speaking of which, Matt Stepp also caught up with a coach who came in from out east, Atlanta coach Matt McClure. Um, bit of an up-and-down year for, for Atlanta, a team that we had really high hopes for, stumbled out of the gate, Caught fire late. Uh, I would say overall a pretty solid year for the Rabbits. Here is Matt Stepp's conversation with Atlanta coach Matt McClure here on Texas Football Today. Matt Stepp, Dave Campbell's Texas Football back here at the Lone Star Coaches Clinic in College Station, Texas. Here with the head coach of the Atlanta Rabbits, Coach Matt McClure. Uh, coach, thanks for taking a few minutes to uh, chat with us. Uh, you bet. It's a fun weekend. All right, now, uh, last year was my first year at this clinic, um, and, I, and I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a great clinic, a lot of awesome speakers, a lot of great coaches. It's in a good location, coaches from all over the state. Uh, what, what, what drew you down? It's, long, it's not, not close. We're not down the road from Atlanta. What drew you down to this clinic? Well, you know, I, I've been coming since it was at the Ramada Inn, so I've been coming. I think I, I think I was here at the first one, and just in my opinion, this is one of the best X and O clinics you can go to. You know, there, there's not a lot of uh, sales pitch with the guys talking. It, they start off their uh, X's and O's. It's all football. You know, I got got a bunch of buddies that come down here, and we get to get together and have a good time, talk some ball, and uh, it's just a really good weekend, I think, to expand your knowledge and also see if you're, uh, you know, where you need to be in your program. 
All right, we're going to look, look back to 2018, first of all. And, you're in, in, you know, the year started out tough. You, 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 you scheduled a bunch of cupcakes. I don't know what happened. You, you know, you played a, you played a really tough non-district schedule. Uh, your, your, your record didn't look great going into district, but, you, but your kids, uh, you know, they stayed with it, caught fire late in the year. You made a run all the way to the regional finals. So I know in the whole it was a, a good year. But uh, how proud of you were your kids? Because a, a lot of kids with not as much mental toughness might have folded up shop when you guys got off to the slow start. You know, the thing I thought that uh, those people that we play early, we've We've played for the last seven years, so it wasn't anybody new. We knew it was going to be a tough schedule, and I thought we had a chance to win a couple of those games. A couple of them we didn't, uh, but I thought we played pretty well. Uh, we knew when we got into district uh, it was going to be a little bit better for us, and we, we, we started. We, we come out of that first four healthy. It's a big deal. Uh, we got into district, caught fire. I thought Jefferson had a really good team. We've had to play at their place, and, and uh, they, they outplayed us, You know, played really well. But uh, I thought we got better once we got in the playoffs. We had that first game we were down, I think, 20 to nothing at one time with West Russ. We came back and won that game. And I think from that point on, we just had a belief that we could win. And, uh, and we got to the fourth round for the third time in the last five years. And, and uh, you know, even though Malikoff jumped ahead of us pretty quick, uh, I thought we got back. We cut it to 15 in the third quarter and, and uh, thought, I said, we might come back and win this one again. Yeah. But uh, they had a really good team. And uh, Coach Driscoll does a good job. But, you know, I thought we really got better as we kept going in the playoffs. And that was something we stressed. The teams that play a long time usually get better as they're going through it. Look, let's look ahead for Rabbit fans for 2019. Uh, first off, what what what's the message to your kids this offseason? What's the main focus of your coaching staff? And then what kind of team can our Rabbit fans expect to see in 2019? Well, you know, we started off season and uh, we've got, got off to a good start. And you know, the thing we're really kind of preaching, I think, if you if in our area, if you get to Dallas, usually as a you know a, a playoff venue, you're in the fifth round of the state championship so our big deals you know we're trying to get to dallas we'd love to see you yeah we're, we're, <laughs> we're trying to get usually that usually that semi-final game and obviously the finals are at, at the cowboy stadium with a semi-final game usually at the star or something so you know we're trying to get there and we're, we're really uh working hard and i think the kids are doing good you know we're returning six to seven on both sides you know our sub varsity did a really good job won a bunch of games so really excited where we are uh, really excited what we got coming back so we're looking forward to a really good year next year all right, now final question for you. I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. So uh, I went to Texas High this year and covered a game. Had, had a good time. Had a good time at Texas High. That press box spread is second to none. I, I'd gain like 40 pounds if I covered a lot of games there. But if I ever come to uh, see a game in Atlanta and go watch the Rabbits, where do I need a pregame meal at? Where, where do I grab? I know there's not, not a lot of spots in Atlanta, but where, where do I need to grab pregame at? There's a new place that they, it's, it's on the corner downtown. It's in an old uh, drugstore, soda fountain type place okay. called the Rabbit Patch. Okay. Aptly named. And that's where we send people when they go. It's a kind of a sandwich, hamburger shop, uh, tortilla wrap shop type deal, but it's, it's really good. Uh, it's got all the high school teams in our area. You've got, got kind of a, a locker, Hometown feel locker right. for their stuff. So it, it's a neat place. That's where I do my radio show on Mondays uh, after the games, but it's it's a neat, good good uh, place to eat. What's the Coach McClure special? What do you, what do you What's your go-to? I'm a grilled cheese guy, but they kind of soup it up. They got grilled cheese with bacon and tomatoes on it. So I like bacon and I like tomatoes. It's not too bad. Well, well Coach, appreciate your time, and uh, congrats on a great 2018, and uh, good luck in 2019. I appreciate it. Thanks. There is Matt McClure, the head coach of the Atlanta Rabbits, talking with Matt Stepp down there at the Lone Star Clinic in College Station. Stepp caught up with a number of coaches down there in BCS, and so we will hear from a number of them coming up this week here on Texas Football Today. He uh, talked to eight more. He eight did, more? He did ten. God. 
10 total interviewers. Programming note for this week. Do we want to tell them everything that's going on? Oh, out? yeah. So um, Max is uh, running away. Yeah. Um, I here's So here's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going. Don't say it. You know Mars. where I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to Mars. You know where I'm going. And there is, and I know Step knows where I'm going because mm-hmm. uh, he keeps asking every time I'm like, I'm leaving. And he's like, oh, where are you going? And I have to remind him. I am trying to keep it on the DL on the off chance that the people I'm going to see, because it's a surprise, mm-hmm. Watch might, this show. might be tuning in or listening to this at some point. Right. There's a chance they are. Like a greater than zero chance. Yeah. Like just enough that I'm like, oh, it might ruin the surprise if I say where I'm yeah. going. So this weekend yeah. I watched the movie Ex Machina for the first time. Oh, you haven't seen that? I had never seen oh, it. Oh, it's wild. And man. so now I just imagine that you're going to Oscar Isaac's house. Yes. And you're going to, like, for a, week, guess, for a week-long retreat. I guess. And it's going to end with you. No, I won't spoil the end of the movie. Yeah. It's going to end poorly for you. I guess, that's, <laughs> I guess that's better than assuming that I'm the robot here to kill you. But I guess that's Step. We already know that. We already know that's Step. Yeah, I already know that's Step. He is Ava. <laughs> step, is, step is a... Uh, yeah. Uh, now we go to Max Thompson. For yeah. Second <laughs> second. Final pause. The most important, as I derailed it before it even happened. Uh, Kyler has chosen football. Good luck, Kyler. Yeah, uh, so Kyler Murray, uh, two-time Mr. Texas Football Player of the yeah. Year, is going to go into the NFL draft. He's going to focus on football. Um, good for him. Hey, you got to yeah. make that choice. Everybody yeah. makes that choice, and yeah. he's he's made that choice for himself. Um, Look, I don't, I don't think there's anyone in the world that agrees with it, right? Like, everyone is just kind of like, no, Kyler, you should play baseball. This is a bad idea. But if this is what he wants to do... Right, more power to him. Hell, I'd love to have an insurance policy of like, hey, I'm really good at baseball, and here's a guaranteed contract if I wanted. If this football thing doesn't work out, but the football thing might work out now, so it seems like we're worth a gamble to him. I guess. Yeah, um, I'm sure Baker Mayfield having a really pretty solid fre- uh, freshman uh, rookie yeah. year, rookie debut, is yeah. is not necessarily like a a great. Like th- there's nothing that's going to sway him away from football no. based on what he saw from Baker Mayfield, who I know he's close with. What's interesting about these like these offenses now, right, and how they all operate is I don't know if they're more conducive for a shorter quarterback to be successful. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to throw over that freaking line regardless. Yeah. They're going to be a little bit taller in the yeah. NFL. That's not going to change. I mean, Kyler's special. Like you, no one is, you know, no one is going to tell you more than us. Right. Dave Campbell's Texas football, what he's capable of. He's mm-hmm. amazing. So the only person I think of in these conversations is like, well, Doug Flutie did it. Why couldn't Kyler? And you know what? If that's like a lot of guys, you go, oh, well, he's 5'9 and was a good college quarterback. You go, well, Doug Flutie did it. You go, yeah, that was Doug Flutie. Kyler's special. Mm-hmm. Like a really, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a terrible idea. I'm just like, there's money on the table to do something safer. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And um, my, my thought is that, you know, yeah. I don't know. I <laughs> here's the let me just be extremely blunt about it. Yeah. Baseball contracts are guaranteed, yeah, and football contracts are not. not. And I, you know, I just look at that. And, yeah. and if you and if you are interested, I've I've thought this since he was a junior in high school. Right. That if his number one goal is to be a star professional athlete, I think that, in my opinion, the more prudent route for that would be yeah. baseball that's just me and yeah. i'm not i'm not him thank god yeah um yeah and so good on him yeah. i wish him nothing i'm rooting for him big yeah. time yeah. and 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 i hope he does that but it's it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting decision and he's gonna he's gonna i mean look they're gonna everything about kyler murray is gonna get ripped apart now yeah. Yeah. because there's nothing quite like the 
NFL industrial complex yeah. to uh, to find every little thing that you do wrong. I mean, like, a year ago, all you could hear about was that freaking crotch grab, and a year later, everyone loves Mayfield. Right. Just adores him. Now now it's like, oh, that's swagger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's this new injection of life into the NFL. So, yeah. Good it's luck. interesting. Good luck enduring the next two months. Um, some good notes here from Jacob John. Uh, he said, uh, by the way, Josh Stewart, former Roadrunner great, had some catches for the Commanders the other night. I did not see that, uh, but he is a favorite. He was one of our top 50 mm -hmm. most important players, mm -hmm. uh, so that's cool to see him out there. Um, he also pointed out, tricky game at uh, Purdue for the Frogs next year. Yeah, Purdue uh, is better yeah, than... Yeah, not, not the one you want to be uh, risking when things aren't going so great like this. And I also said... Uh, two close losses to Shadow Creek for Foster last year. That could be a budding rivalry that could be fun. Oh, absolutely. And I absolutely agree. That's a great point. So one thing, what's really interesting, I'm working on something for the site right now that's like... Um, oh, man, this thing's going to be awesome. Program rankings? Yeah. Like, not just, like basically over the over the course of uh, six years, what have been the strongest programs in the state? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of working on formulas and stuff and, yeah. and trying to figure out exactly how to, how to roll it out. But yeah. like... Uh, Shadow Creek will not be eligible for right. this because they've only played one, one season. season. Yeah. But like seeing them in the in the scope of the rankings, you're just like, man, that, like it truly is like what a remarkable year they had. Like in like between them, yeah. like Brock is just now going to be in the rankings. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's really it's really interesting, and, and I think I, I think that we're going to uh, like Shadow Creek's going to be around for a while, and and I wonder I wonder who it's going to be, whether it's Manville or whether it's uh, you know, Foster or someone like that, that that's going to end up being that kind of budding rivalry down there. Yeah, I think so, too. One final thing for me, mm -hmm. really just to everyone, including you, uh, Matt was asking a lot of the coaches at the clinics about the soft shell helmets for 7-on-7, seven seven, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. being being more implemented and maybe and fully required, I believe, by next year, et cetera, et cetera. This also brings up the fact we've been talking about planning on the 7-on-7 seven seven state championships, which aren't, which aren't until the end of June, but we've been talking about it. Greg Tepper has informed us that, again, he would only be able to do one day. Now. May I correct you? Are you going to be around? I will be around for two days. Two days. Okay. I can do. So I, can, I can stay for Friday now. Okay. So, um, But here's. But so then I have to drive back, hop on a plane Saturday would morning. Would you like to hear. So Greg's got to go to a wedding. These things can't be helped. Uh, he's a more generous uh, wedding guest than I am because I mostly just say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting on a plane for your wedding. Um, I was literally running through ideas for what we could do in your absence because I have found at 7-on-7 seven seven, mm -hmm. there are so many more fans who come up to us mm -hmm. and want to get you know, autographs, pictures taken, which is still weird, very weird for me, a little bit more normal for you, even though still very weird for still you as well. Um, but if that many people come up to me, imagine how many people will be going up to you, number one. Number two, that start sparked the idea. We should probably come up with some sort of promotion. And I thought how great it would be if you're not there to just take a cardboard cutout out of you oh. and have people take their picture with it for a discount on their sub. That's interesting. He's not here, but can I interest you in a cardboard it would cutout? Only, it would him? only have, to, like I said, I'll be there Thursday and Friday, so it'll have to be for Saturday, which is, you know. Although, from what I understand, Friday Friday's is the big day. Friday is the busier Friday's, day. Friday is the far busier day. It thins out very quickly on Saturdays. Friday is the day when there are more people there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but we will be around. We'll be there. Yeah. I'll be there. It'll be fun. It will be fun. It'll be really hot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It'll be the surface of the sun. Yes. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Vince Young, please give me your player of the year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.